Today, Rinpoche gave another extensive explanation of the benefits of the aspiring mind called the spirit of awakening. Okay. 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 Okay, so we're uh, going to begin uh, uh, where we were the last class. We're going to go over some of the material that we went over already and then move forward. If you turn to page 70, uh, in the, actually 69, and then we'll move to 70. In the English, uh, you'll see um, a, a major heading that says, Maintaining and not weakening what you have attained. Uh, so this is in the section, um, just as a note, on the training the mind in the stages of the path for beings of great capacity, uh, if we're looking at it from the outline perspective. Um, so now we're in the outline under the section of the Bodhisattva vows, maintaining and not weakening what you have attained. So there are two ca categories in Lama Tsongkhapa's outline uh, for that major heading. First is training in the precepts or the advices that cause you not to weaken uh, you are spirit of enlightenment in this lifetime, and then training in the precepts or advices that cause you not to separate from your spirit of enlightenment in future lifetimes. Uh, so these are the two categories. And then the first category, which is training the mind uh, in the precepts uh, that cause you not to weaken your spirit of enlightenment uh, in this lifetime, we'll find that there are four major categories. First, training the, in the precept to recall the benefits of the spirit of enlightenment in order to increase the strength of your enthusiasm for it. Second, the training in the precept to generate the spirit of enlightenment six times each day in order to increase the actual spirit of enlightenment. Three, training in the precept not to mentally abandon the living beings for those whose sake you develop the spirit of enlightenment. And four, the training in the precept to accumulate the collections of the merit and sublime wisdom. So the first category uh, that deals with uh, um, advices for uh, your spirit of enlightenment in this lifetime, those are the four categories. And I just went ahead and read them in English. Uh, Rinpoche said those four categories. He didn't read the full category in Tibetan, uh, but because we will, I just went ahead and read that in the English. Dixon Rinpoche, the jit injike loson. That's how jit, you know, the nyeba tuba manyaba tuma la ni, sende senji manyaba jula laba na. Less so. Chua jen tu te damande jula laba. Saji wa te nuwa. Less so. Saji tu kui inche nuwe. Injury,injury,okay.先进了读书，偏学多。Less uh, so, under that major heading, uh, so we're going to uh, deal with the category um, of, uh, so welcome, uh, anyone who came, you're welcome to sit anywhere you'd like, uh, wherever you're comfortable. Um, 
uh, it, in a chair or on the floor, neither. It, whatever you're more comfortable with is, is up to you. Uh, there are no rules here. Um, but just welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, so we're on page 69 into 70 in the English, training the mind in the stages of the path, uh, training the mind the precepts that cause you not to weaken your spirit of enlightenment. Uh, enlightenment or spirit of awakening in this lifetime and then again there are four categories training in the precept to recall the benefits of the spirit of enlightenment in order to increase the strength of your enthusiasm for it the training in the precept to generate the spirit of enlightenment six times each day in order to increase the actual spirit of enlightenment three the training in the precept not to mentally abandon living beings for whose sake you develop the spirit of enlightenment and four, the training in the precept to accumulate the collections of merit and sublime wisdom. So we're going to begin with that first category, uh, training in the precept to recall the benefits of spirit of enlightenment in order to increase the strength of your enthusiasm for it. Uh, so we'll begin with category number one today. Uh, um, first category of category number one. Disa. Well, <coughs> So, when we're looking at that first category, um, we're going to move, uh, because we've gone through this section already, uh, we're going to move right to um, the second paragraph at the bottom of 70. It says, the benefits mentioned in the bodhisattva levels are those of the aspirational spirit of enlightenment. Um, so here, the benefits that are mentioned um, in the bodhisattva levels, Lama Tsongkhapa is saying, so the bodhisattva levels is one of Lord Asanga's texts, um, but Lama Tsongkhapa says um, that the benefits that are mentioned in this text are specific to the benefits of the aspiring uh, spirit of enlightenment. Uh, when we divide the spirit of enlightenment, or bodhicitta, into categories, there are two. Aspiring spirit of enlightenment and engaged spirit of enlightenment. Uh, so the, the specific kind of spirit of enlightenment that a Sangha is talking about when he speaks of the benefits is the aspiring type of spirit of enlightenment, not the engaged spirit of enlightenment. So Lama Tsongkhapa differentiates here uh, between the two and shows that the benefits mentioned are merely those of that first um, um, generation, that aspirational form of the uh, spirit of enlightenment. So it says that there's two uh, categories. That text states two benefits for the first stable generation of the spirit of enlightenment. One, one becoming a pure field for accumulating merit and two being fully endowed with protective merit. Uh, so these are the two categories that you'll find in Asanga's Bodhisattva's levels um, that relate to the benefits of the aspiring spirit of awakening. Diesel. <laughs> 
So, within the um, first benefit, there are various benefits uh, that are mentioned. So, the first benefit that's mentioned, and this is related to uh, becoming a pure field for accumulating merit, is that the moment that you generate the spirit of enlightenment, uh, the spirit of enlightenment or bodhicitta, at that moment, you become an object of observation that is worthy of reverence uh, uh, for all beings in six realms of cyclic existence. So whether the being is in the hell realm, the hungry ghost realm, the animal realm, the human realm, the demigod realm, or the god realm, the moment that you generate the spirit of enlightenment or the spirit of awakening or bodhicitta, you become revered by all of those types of beings. You become an object of prostration or an object of homage, worthy of homage uh, to all of these types of sentient beings. Um, so uh, you become a, this, this basis of homage, uh, the basis that is worthy of homage um, made given by all, all beings meaning all meaning all beings in the six realms of cyclic existence. So this is the first benefit that's mentioned. And then Lama Tsongkhapa quotes from the, uh, the Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, or Engaging in the Bodhisattva Deeds by Master Shanti Deva. It says, and are revered both in the worlds of humans and deities. Uh, so it's the moment, and in the quote, is a moment awakening mind arises in those fettered and weak in the jail of cyclic existence. They will be named a child of the Sugatas and will be revered by uh, uh, humans and gods of the world. So uh, the meaning of this is that the moment one generates the mind that aspires uh, to enlightenment, they become a child um, of the Buddhas and, 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 and are worthy of worship by all beings. Okay, Digsan Rinpoche. Didn't <laughs> And 
So the second quality is that um, the moment that the mind that aspires, the spirit of uh, enlightenment or spirit of awakening uh, is generated uh, in a being, uh, he or she um, at that moment um, becomes a lineage holder higher than that even of the uh, arhats of the hearer and solitary realizer vehicle. Uh, so the meaning of this is that here, um, in accordance with the statement that immediately after developing the spirit of enlightenment, you surpass all the great arhats in terms of your lineage, you become superior and highest. Uh, so what is the meaning of this? Uh, when we look at um, qualities, uh, we can divide them into various qualities. So we could say the quality of lineage, uh, the quality of realization, um, so, in terms of real, this is not speaking in terms of realization. This is m only speaking in terms of lineage. Um, so, what? Why is a being who has generated the spirit of enlightenment? Uh, why does a being who has generated the spirit of enlightenment have a superior lineage to that of even a, a, a Hinayana foe destroyer? Um, there are five paths that we find uh, within the various vehicles. There are five um, superior vehicle paths, um, five, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, let me try that again. There are five um, hearer vehicle paths, there are five solitary realizer paths, and there are five bodhisattva paths. So the two, first two are considered pathways of the Hinayana. Uh, the, the other, the, the latter, is the pathway of the Mahayana. Um, so their pathway names are the same, path of accumulation, the path of preparation, the path of seeing, the path of meditation, and the path of no more learning. But in terms of the lineage, the, the lineage of the great vehicle is a lineage that allows one to become a Buddha. So the object of observation of the lineage is all sentient beings. So, so the reason for becoming a Buddha is for the sake of all sentient beings. So the object of observation of that being is much greater, is much grander, because it's, it's focused on freeing all sentient beings that exist, whereas the focus of the lesser vehicle is one's own personal liberation only. So the object of observation of that being is his or her own personal liberation. The object of observation for the great vehicle practitioner is all sentient beings. So it's for that reason that we say that the moment that one generates the mind that is the spirit of enlightenment, 
um, the moment that one generates the spirit of enlightenment, he or she becomes of superior lineage to even the, the uh, Hinayana Arhats. And it's because they enter into the lineage that is much greater in terms of result and object of observation than that of the lineage of the foe destroyer. Even the foe destroyer who has gotten rid of, who is an abandoner of the afflictive obstructions, still only has as her object of observation, her, his or her final goal, a personal liberation. It's not focused on all sentient beings. So the moment that one's mind generates that sentiment, his or her continuum is a higher lineage continuum than that of the continuum of someone who's even already in nirvana. And it's because of it is a lineage that becomes a Buddha, whereas the lineage of the Hinayana can only get to nirvana. It's not possible to become a Buddha with the material that is um, focused on in the lesser vehicle. And it's for that reason that that being's lineage is superior because it's a lineage of, that leads to a Buddha, whereas the other lineage only leads to a personal liberation, which still has obstructions to omniscience while one is abiding in it. So there isn't a complete abandonment of all negativities. So it's because of this that we say uh, that in terms of lineage, what, no matter where a being is on the Hinayana Five Paths, the moment that the great vehicle practitioner um, is on that first path, his or her lineage is superior to that of any level path, even foe destroyer that a Hinayanist is on. Not in terms of realization, but in terms of lineage. Then Sadrupa, Sadrupa, Sadumba, Okay, 
so we find these two differentiations made uh, between um, realization or knowledge. I'm going to start using the word knowledge. I think it's better. Uh, and lineage. Uh, so we find in the Madhyamika Avatara this differentiation uh, that's made. Uh, so we say that the uh, moment that the uh, practitioner generates the spirit of enlightenment, his or her lineage exceeds the lineage of that of even a, a hearer or solitary realizer foe destroyer's lineage. So how do we understand this? Uh, here's an example that we could use. Uh, if there is a king, and when the king has a child, that king has the king's lineage. So at that moment, uh, because we, in, in those times, we're looking at times where, and we have kings now, but uh, think of the time this is written in the 1400s. So uh, when you're born into a king's lineage, your lineage is superior to the lineage of other lineages. So at that time, that child's lineage, even though he or she was just born, exceeds that lineage of others who, who have lower lineage, no matter who they are or what they've done in terms of lineage. But in terms of realization or knowledge, if that child doesn't study and become learned, uh, then they won't have any kind of superiority in terms of knowledge. That doesn't automatically come. That, that's something that is developed. But the lineage itself of the child becomes the lineage of the king the, the moment that he or she is born. Uh, he or she becomes a prince or a princess. Um, so uh, this lineage is, would be considered a superior lineage to be born into. So this is what is meant by lineage. It's now, this is referring to a lineage that uh, um, um, gives rise to a Buddha. Um, so uh, in terms of the... Um, Lineage it, it is superior, but when does the realization become <coughs> superior? It, when we look at the different grounds and, and levels and so forth, there are bodhisattva grounds that occur. And it's not until the seventh bodhisattva ground um, that, and if I trans mistranslated this before, I apologize, it's not until the seventh bodhisattva ground that we can say that that being's knowledge or realization is superior to that of the uh, um, hearer or solitary realizer foe destroyer. Um, so it's the anything above the six bodhisattva ground uh, we can say is superior in terms of realization. So it's, uh, I was asking, is that like the um, the border between uh, uh, is the sixth and the seventh? Is that line but the border? And is yes. Is anywhere on the seventh bodhisattva ground that a bodhisattva is, that that real his or her realization is superior at that time to that even of the Hinayana uh, here um, or solitary realizer foe destroyer. But it's not until then. Uh, until it goes, he or she has to go through the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grounds before this occurs. After the sixth ground, once he or she is on the seventh ground, then his or her knowledge is superior and lineage is superior. But the moment that there is the generation of this spirit of enlightenment, 
his or her lineage is superior because it is a lineage of the Buddhas. Uh, even though the afflictive obstructions have been abandoned by uh, the being who is a, uh, already a foe destroyer, he or she is not a Buddha. Um, so his or her lineage led to only that, whereas the lineage of the Buddha leads further. So it's a superior lineage because of the, the, the potential result. Uh, so I, sorry if I put it in a lot of ways, but it's important that it's, the material is understood as Rinpoche speaks it, and sometimes that requires more English than Tibetan. Deeksung uh, Rinpoche. Tasumba Shanjusen Nibba Okay, so number three is even when you perform a small meritorious action, it gives forth limitless effects, so you are a field for accumulating merit. As all the world relies on you, you are like the earth, thus you are like a father uh, to all beings. Uh, so this is the, the third uh, point of benefit that is made in this uh, first category, uh, is that even if you do a very small uh, thing, uh, if you engage in a small amount of merit, that merit becomes a great amount of virtue if you have this aspiring spirit of awakening. So it says that, the uh, again, just as a note, this is a Sangha's benefits mentioned, about the aspiring bodhi mind that aspires to enlightenment or spi aspiring spirit of enlightenment. Uh, so uh, th this is the third point that's made under the first benefit that you become a pure field for accumulating merit. Um, so when you perform something very small, when you have the spirit of enlightenment, the virtue is increased a great amount because of this uh, presence of bodhicitta. Digsum. Well, 
So it's very similar to uh, what the Buddha stated um, in the sutras about dedication, um, where the Buddha stated that uh, just like a small uh, drop of water um, being put into a bucket uh, into the ocean is not extinguished until the entire ocean is <coughs> Likewise, a um, virtue that is properly dedicated to become a, becoming a Buddha for the sake of all sentient beings is not extinguished until it becomes a cause for that great result. So we see the magnification of a small virtue uh, even in that quote by the Buddha is showing that no matter how big or small the virtue you've created is, if it's properly dedicated, it, it magnifies it and makes it create something that's magnificent. And in this case, we're speaking of Buddhahood. Uh, so we can look at the reason uh, for that um, to be similar to the point being made here. Uh, so the, the reason that that potency delivers that result is because what it's dedicated to, becoming a Buddha for the sake of sentient beings. Because of that potency of dedication, it makes that magnify. So it's similar to this. Shanchutunasantunchabanchabapas,我都是那么的。Kangishi Mm-hmm. So we find uh, a very similar point uh, made in the lamp for the path to enlightenment. Uh, uh, so Rinpoche is saying that uh, everyone has that in front of them. Um, so I'm just going to find the quote, Gangi, Gangi, the quote exactly. I think it's number Shiloka Gangi. Mm-hmm. Gangi taught me. No, it's number G10. The Chiloka Chidul, the Chidul, Sixteen, number. So it's very similar uh, when we look at stanza number 16 and stanza number 17. Uh, um, we find this point made. If someone were to fill with jewels as many 
Buddha fields as there are grains of sand in the Ganges to offer to the protectors of the world, this would be surpassed by the gift of folding one's hands and inclining one's mind to enlightenment, for such is limitless. So if we look at page 26, uh, everybody, page 26, stanza number 16 and stanza number 17, uh, we find it there. Uh, so we can see, <coughs> to understand the meaning of this, we can see how beneficial uh, this, this mind is to us, would be to us. Okay, so, uh, so number three uh, is this point of merit uh, being... Um, expanded, and again, it stands in number 16 and 17 in um, Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, where we find those stanzas. Um, and <coughs> uh, the fourth benefit, uh, Rinpoche is saying, is that thus you are like a father to all beings. And then it's sa, sadandrara, the jipa. Okay, so number four includes... As all the world relies on you, you are like the earth. Thus, you are like the father to all beings. Um, so uh, that would be in number four. <laughs> Okay, so the first category, uh, so now just to, for all time's sake, the first ca uh, category, which is the first benefit, becoming a pure field for accumulating merit, there are four categories in Jayan Sheba's commentary. First category uh, being you're revered both in the worlds of humans and deities. You become an object of, of worship for all living beings the moment you generate the mind that aspires to uh, enlightenment. Second category, your lineage surpasses that of even the foe destroyers uh, here in Solitary Realizer. Third category, a small merit becomes great. And the fourth category is that you become like the ground or the earth because you are a father, uh, like a father or a parent to all beings. So these are the first, first category has four. Now the second benefit, which we were saying the second category, has nine points that are going to be made. Uh, so uh, this is all according to Jayan Sheba's commentary, which we don't have in English. Um, we're just, Rinpoche's using it and I'm translating it as we go. Uh, so when 
we'll hear different outlines, Lama Tsongkhapa's own personal outline, and then also another outline that we're following in a different text by Jayan Sheba, uh, not in English. Okay, Digson. Okay, so the first of the um, nine categories in Jayan Sheba's ca- um, commentary, uh, under the major heading, being fully endowed with protective merit, is that um, you are always protected by guardians that are twice as numerous as those of a uni- universal mar- monarch. Uh, so this is the first category, that you become protected uh, when you develop bodhicitta or the spirit of enlightenment, uh, even more so than a universal monarch. Okay, so the first category, as uh, as you are, okay, so the second benefit being fully endowed with protective merit is as follows. So the first category starts here. As you are always protected by guardians that are twice as numerous as those of a universal monarch, you cannot be harmed by yaksas or local spirits even when you are sleeping, drunk, or careless. Uh, so once you generate the mind that aspires to enlightenment or the spirit, okay, once you generate the spirit of enlightenment, at that moment, uh, you are protected by the, these uh, guardians. Uh, and it says that a universal monarch is surrounded by these guardians or soldiers or protectors. And there are a large amount of them. The moment that you generate this mind, uh, you are protected by um, guardians more numerous than that of a universal monarch, and spirits and uh, humans and non-humans uh, uh, and so forth can't harm you um, because of this protection that the bodhicitta or the spirit of enlightenment uh, gives you. So the second category deals with secret mantras. So secret mantras refers to the mantras um, that are found within the four classes of tantra, action tantra, yogic tantra, I'm sorry, action tantra, performance tantra, yogic tantra, and highest yogic tantra. Uh, so these are the mantras that are found within uh, these tantras. Less 
Sonra şey ki, yani şey ücüdü cevap yiyiz. Şey ücüyle ki, ne, onda gobala gobala soba oda çubatan var yiyin ha. Dönü çubatan var yiyin ha oda, ne, tüsün momun zeyguru oda, sonra cevguru oda. Sonra keçen. Sonra şey, sonra la tüyü bir ücüdü la, şey ücü. Sonra, sonra şey ki var, tüyü bir insan şey ücü. Sonra da, nâgı dengen zin, yıkalı tembatı şu bir ücü. Nâgı dengen zin, Kibala tembatı ne derimden kazan. Sandra dağın tenginzin yamdu? Şehciydi, tu standart uğrayız. Standart uğrayız, okey. Hiç anı jabi, güydüla, şehidi, şava, şava zamanca uğrayız. Şava zamanca çanı, zamanca jabi, güydüla, şehidi. Şehidi güydüna, nâgı tenginzin tanışa, Şava nikalı denedik de şöbücü. Hani nâgı dengenize şey çevadılar. Hani nâncücüyüm bari. Nâgı dengenize konalı dövbede lanamı bücü. Halinde vardı, mandavacı ne sunuyordu? Kazan duvarcı dövbede. Sandaki çane, sandaki suçu çane, cüdeci, cüdeci sunuyordu. Okay, then they get the the selpo lago, the tambo sama, nipa sama dang tinginzi nyamdu, the sumba tinginzi kona, dets shechewa, lamen yudu tinginzi kona dengres, tinginzi kona. Okay, nejolana maybe ju tinginzi kona. Okay, okay. So the why are there four classes of Tantra? So we have Action Tantra, Performance Tantra, Yogic Tantra, and Highest Yogic Tantra. Uh, so last week we spoke about the four levels of bliss or the four levels of happiness that correspond with these four categories of Tantra. So we explained the numbers of Tantra in that way. They correspond with the levels of bliss or degrees of bliss. Another way that the four classes of Tantra can be explained uh, are in terms of its um, procedures or rituals or uh, focus. I guess focus would be the best way to explain it. Um, so action Tantra, um, all of the actions or activities that are performed within uh, this particular Tantra are focused on cleanliness. So cleanliness is the primary focus of, of action Tantra um, in terms of the ac actions are, cl are cleanliness. One is thinking of cleanliness. Um, the, the next category, performance Tantra, it is said that there is a kind of a dual focus, a focus on this cleanliness that's united also with an inner concentration. Uh, so this, the, the focuses are kind of equally uh, equal. So this um, focus on cleanliness and, and inner concentration are equal. The yogic tantra, it is said, has a little more focus on inner concentration than the performance tantra that has this un kind of united uh, focus on cleanliness and, um, uh, and inner concentration, <coughs> whereas this yogic tantra focuses now more so than the performance on an inner concentration. And then highest yoga tantra only focuses on this inner concentration. Uh, so um, th these are the an this is another way to 
um, divide up the four classes of Tantra in terms of reason for enumeration. Um, so this, this is a, an, an, another way to explain it. Um, and just as a translator's note, there's an enormous amount of information. I know it doesn't make sense focusing on cleanliness, but what that means, you have to read the whole Tantra to really understand what that cleanliness refers to in terms of, of emptiness and so forth. So um, it's just, this is just a real brief outer explanation that can be looked more into. But just as a translator's note, there's a lot more to understand than just it's clean and it's clean and it's concentration. That what that clean means is really specific. Uh, so uh, these are, this is another way to divide up the, the reason for enumeration of the tantras. Digsung Rinpoche. Oh, so uh, the secret mantras and knowledge mantras that can cure epidemics, injuries, infections, but are not effective in the hands of living beings become effective when someone with a stable generation of the spirit uh, of enlightenment uses them. Why mention the mantras that do work when used by uh, living beings? This okay, so, yeah, so this here is specific to the mantric vehicle and saying that without this spirit of enlightenment, it doesn't work. So it's saying that the spirit of enlightenment is necessary for these mantras to work. And it's saying that uh, imagine how good the other things that don't require it will work. Imagine how much better the things that don't require the spirit of awakening uh, will work if it um, is the only thing that works for these secret, more subtle vehicles. So the spirit of enlightenment is a qualification for secret and knowledge mantras to work. Can Number three. Two. Nangoa what Rubber Sanji 
Okay. Okay, so just for clarification purposes, um, the second category is specifically secret mantras, and then the third category is knowledge mantras. Um, so it breaks down into that. So it says secret mantras and knowledge mantras, and then it speaks of secret mantras first that can cure epidemics, injuries, infections, but are not effective. So the first category um, is being protected by the guardians and so forth, more so than a universal monarch. The second category is secret mantras. Um, so secret mantras only work if they're in the hands of a bodhisattva, someone who has the spirit of enlightenment. Um, so that can cure epidemics, injuries, and infections, but are not effective in the hands of living beings become effective when someone with a stable generation of the spirit of enlightenment uses them. So stable generation means the, an actual spirit of enlightenment. Uh, the actual generation of bodhicitta has taken place, not uh, a facsimile <coughs> of or something like it, actual bodhicitta. So that's why it says, with a stable generation of spirit of enlightenment uses them. Why mention mantras that do work when used by living beings? Now, the next part is about knowledge mantras, um, and that's the second category, the third category, uh, according to Jayan Sheba's commentary. And it says, the Bodhisattva Levels teaches that when your spirit of enlightenment is stable, you also easily accomplish the collections of actions 
uh, collections of actions, pacification, and so forth. Uh, so uh, when we look at the various um, actions and the holy beings engage in, uh, there are four, pacification, subduing, increase, and wrath. Um, so all of these actions um, become potent uh, if one has this spirit of enlightenment. Um, so it, it um, ignites it, if you will. It gives it its potency. It makes it work. Um, so it says, uh, then, then it goes into some of the benefits. So if you have this, you also quickly accomplish ordinary <coughs> spiritual attainments. Wherever you are staying, there will arise no fear, no causes of fear, no famine, and no harm from non-humans, and you will quell those that have already happened. The Sumba Kabar Kagadu, Tamagare, Juro, the Juro, Okay, so it ends there. Uh, um, so after death becomes the next category, uh, if we're re anyone's reading along. So category number three ends uh, where the break, according to the, th where it says 328, that's where it ends. Uh, so when we look at what the true protection is, uh, we can see that it's really your own practice is how you protect yourself. It's your own spiritual practice. Uh, yes, it is beneficial. You see uh, you people come to a teacher uh, and they are given a uh, protection cord or given some sort of uh, blessing by a teacher. Um, and yes, uh, this can, can be beneficial um, and, and can be potent uh, if this teacher has these um, qualifications, because we see it makes the potent, these blessings potent, potency of the blessing possible uh, if he or she has this realization. But we see really the true protection is our own practice. Um, if we were looking for a real protector, it's our own spiritual practice. Uh, so we'll take a short break. Uh, we'll be right back. text says that there, uh, it's, the Tantra can be just like a snake. If you don't know how to handle it, a snake handler, you can easily get bit and poisoned. Mm -hmm. So there's a great amount of trouble in practicing Tantra without understanding it or having a, a proper basis. It's like handling a snake but not knowing how to. You can get bit easily. I'm still getting it. <laughs> so it's necessary to take the meditation on emptiness and wisdom, the meditation on the mind that aspires to enlightenment or the spirit of enlightenment, and unite that with meditation on deities. So it really, there has to be this union um, of all of these foundational practices in order for there to be any kind of tantric or deity practice. 
Um, so it's necessary to have these um, foundationally. So now we're at number four, uh, and uh, we're on page 71 still uh, in the English. In Tibetan, we've just changed pages. So we're on uh, the death. So in order for one to um, understand this next point that's going to be made, we have to establish this beginningless rebirth. We understand that, um, like ourselves, uh, all sentient beings have beginningless rebirth. So therefore, we have to establish that all sentient beings are our mothers. Uh, so in order for us to really understand and, and utilize this next point, and it's necessary to establish this beginningless rebirth based on uh, the idea of this continuum. Well, that's so how is this established? Uh, what, what is the, the point? So uh, we have a consciousness at this moment, um, and at this moment's consciousness, uh, comes from a previous moment's consciousness, uh, that comes from a previous moment's consciousness, that comes from uh, the consciousness of the intermediates. If we look at the consciousness and trace it back to when we're born, the consciousness before that is the intermediate state's consciousness. And we look for what is before that, we find the previous life's consciousness. So when we begin to examine consciousness, we and, and we start to be, we find that we can't establish a beginning. So we have this beginningless consciousness uh, that comes from a previous consciousness, from a previous consciousness, from a previous consciousness. So because we have this beginningless consciousness, we can posit uh, beginningless birth. Uh, so by positing be beginningless birth, then we say we have these beginningless mothers and so forth. Um, so 
this is how, as Buddhists, we would establish this beginningless nature of rebirth. We would start with the consciousness and, and, and establish the beginningless nature of consciousness and so forth, because we can't say that the child got its consciousness from the mother, that the mother's consciousness is the child's consciousness, because it's not the same consciousness. It doesn't contain the same thing. It's, it's something different. So where, where would it come from if it's not the mother's? It came from a previous consciousness, from a previous consciousness. And as a note, when I say previous, of that consciousness, a previous moment of that same continuum, from a previous consciousness, from a previous consciousness, non-consciousness never caused that consciousness to occur. So it's always been caused by a previous consciousness, um, and we, we can trace it back, we trace it back, this life, intermediate state, previous life, intermediate state, previous life, intermediate state, previous life. So before, before, before. And this is how we would establish it uh, in terms of beginningless nature of rebirth. Then maybe some doubt. So a doubt may arise and you say, why can't it come from the parents? Why isn't it the parents' consciousness? Because we can see that what the parents, if that were the case, then what the parents know, the child would know. What the parents would have an aptitude for, the child would have an aptitude for. But we see that that's not the case, that the, the consciousness and the, the, the things that it knows and, and excels at or is not good at are not the same as that of the parents. What does the so we would have to then ask what a scientist would say about this. So how do we establish ourselves with signs and reasoning this beginningless birth? And in the Pramanavartika Karika, uh, Dharmakirti's commentary on the Compendium of Valid Cognition, we find three signs uh, that are given uh, to prove this. It states that the, the wind excuse me, or the breath, the sense powers, uh, and the consciousness arise from that which is uh, um, uh, in the lineage of it. It does not arise from a dissimilar class. Uh, so its arisal doesn't come from something that which is not it. A dissimilar class doesn't produce something uh, that is it. So something which is different doesn't produce that. So something that is different from that can't produce that. Um, so it can't come from a dissimilar class. So the breathing in and out came from previous breathing in and out, and that the uh, consciousness from previous, and that the um, 
sense powers from a previous. So we would say, how do we, um, how can we say that this human has beginningless birth? We could say because this human is a, this person, how can we say that this person has beginningless birth? We can say it's because this person is a possessor of sense powers, he or she is a possessor of consciousness, and he or she is a possessor of breath or breathing. And those things came from Things that are of a similar class, not a dissimilar class. So breathing came from a previous breathing that came from a previous breathing that came from a previous breathing. And we go and we find beginningless breathing. Then we do the same with consciousness and we be find beginningless consciousness. And then we do the same with sense powers and we find beginningless sense powers. And because this person is a possessor of among those three or those three, he or she also has to have a beginningless birth. That person has to have beginningless birth. That consciousness, the I. So we have. So we have bones and we have flesh. Where do the bones come from? Where does our flesh come from? So we're not sure. We could maybe say that it's the the rugo. The bones come from the father, uh, um, father's side, perhaps, we could say. And the blood and flesh come from the mother's uh, side. But, but there's doubts here with this. We have doubts. Um, so we look at these three classes, uh, the breath, the sense power, and the consciousness, um, and, and we, we arrive at this beginningless uh, state of, of each among those. So when we, if we had to discuss flesh and bones, or blood and flesh and bones, and if we analyze them, we would come up with the same basis. We would say it came from a previous, from a previous, from a previous. Um, so that's how we would debate it and, uh, and would arrive at whatever conclusion was arrived at. So here this is how we establish previous lives. But then if there's death, and previous, we have to then establish future lives somehow. Give Okay. Um, so we can say uh, that the consciousness and the um, that an old person has at this the time of death. So the subject that consciousness that he or she has at the time of death, will it be furthered? 
it will be furthered because there is the presence of attachment. If there's the presence of attachment, then it will be furthered, being attached to a next. Yes. Less so. so we have so many people not only dying, but also then we have beings being born. Where do we, what is happening here? And we can say that beings that pass then are beings that are born. And just as a translator's note, I want to mistranslate. I'm not, we're not saying di there's directly, this person dies, then that means it's him, he's her. It's saying that beings die in a very general sense, and it could be an ant as well. So just as a translator's note, beings die. Where, do those be where are those beings? They are the beings that are born. And the beings that are born, where did they come from? They came from the beings that died. What the Kuribati? So to understand just one line or that we read in a book here, it requires a large amount of analysis to really understand the point that's being made here. This is something we would ask scientists to do. So if you die, is there, so we would say to a scientist, when you die, is there a future, yes or no? So if, if there's not a future, where are these uh, new children that are being born coming from? Uh, so it's, we can see how solid and stable the, the, the Buddhist texts are in terms of use of logic and use of reasoning. It's the same as a, science, uh, as a scientist. Uh, so, um, scientists are scholars, and we will eventually uh, meet with this discussion. Um, uh, we'll eventually uh, meet with this discussion. Nobashuna Okay, so number four, also, I just want to make sure where this ends. Mid. Rimache. Nyampar Midjuro. Tsar? Jiba? Sumbaro. That's Jiba Tsibis on the Jibare. Okay, so. Also, after death, you will have little trouble and you will be naturally healthy in your next life. Even if someone else's, someone harm does arise, it will not last long. Let me try that again. 
Also, after death, you will have little trouble and you will be naturally healthy in your next life. Even if some harm does arise, it will not last long or be severe. When you engage in the welfare of living beings, giving teachings, etc., your body will not feel tired, you will not be forgetful, nor will your mind uh, degenerate. Uh, so here, uh, these are all um, benefits, number four, of this mind that aspires to enlightenment. Not Okay, so just a break point um, I read too far. So number four ends, um, also, after death you will have little trouble and you will be naturally healthy in your next life. Even if some harm does arise, it will not last long or be severe. That's number four. Number five when you engage in the welfare of living beings, giving teachings, etc., your body will not feel tired, you will not be forgetful, nor will your mind degenerate. Um, so uh, the, that's just the break point between four and five. Uh, the meaning of four is uh, as written um, that even if you do have some sort of harm that comes, it'll be very short, it won't last long. And then number five is that uh, when you're, you're engaging in, in the welfare of others and helping others and then giving teachings, etc. So if you're helping others in any way, the highest of which would be giving a teaching, but in any way, you don't get tired doing it. You won't forget the material you have to teach uh, and, and so forth. So uh, and your mind will, will be stable and increase, never degenerate. That's so, if you are one who abides in the Bodhisattva's lineage, you naturally have few dysfunctional tendencies. Once you have developed the spirit of enlightenment, the dysfunctional tendencies of your mind and body 
are extremely slight. Uh, so one who abides in the bodhisattva lineage is the bodhisattva lineage is ignited when he or she generates great compassion. Um, so uh, it's a specific category uh, um, of compassion. And so when great compassion is generated, uh, then he or she um, be, uh, and ignites that lineage of the bodhisattva. And it says that um, you naturally have few dysfunctional tendencies once you have developed the spirit of enlightenment. So once you have a mind that wishes to become a Buddha for the sake of all sentient beings, a permeated mind uh, of that, at that point then these qualities arise. And, and it says that uh, the negative qualities of your mind and body uh, become very, very slight um, once this great compassion ignites the Bodhisattva lineage. Jiro. Okay, Okay, so we have, um, when we look at this word lineage, uh, bodhisattva uh, lineage, uh, we say that all sentient beings have the lineage of the Buddha, um, so, or translated as Buddha nature a lot, but I'm going to stop using those words, and the Buddha lineage. So all sentient beings have Buddha lineage. If one is a hell being, a hungry ghost being, an animal, a human, a demigod, a god, it doesn't matter what kind of being he, she, or it is, if if it is a sentient being, there is ne necessarily is Buddha lineage or Buddha nature. So Buddha lineage uh, uh, is possessed by all beings. And in the uh, Uttara Tantra by Lord Maitreya, we find three signs that are given to prove this. I'm going to have to table those because I'm not going to mistranslate it. But you can look it up. It's in Lord Maitreya's um, Sublime Continuum where the points are made and to establish this, uh, these three, there are three signs that are given, um, and they primarily go back to the fact that there is mental consciousness. Uh, and if there is this mental consciousness, there's necessarily Buddha lineage present. Um, so uh, this word lineage is used in many cases. The Bodhisattva lineage begins at great compassion. The Buddha lineage is something, though, that abides specifically within, within all beings. Then I saw you and I saw you easy, but there, 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 
So our mental consciousness is not truly established. So our mental consciousness is not truly established. Buddha Shakyamuni's mental consciousness was not truly established. The nature of our consciousnesses are the same. Our consciousness and Buddha Shakyamuni's consciousness. So just like the Buddha meditated on the lack of true establishment of his or her mind and became a Buddha, we can do the same and meditate on the lack of true establishment of our mind and become a Buddha. So then, um, from this, uh, then the Buddha, uh, from this experience, then the Buddha taught us. Um, so it says, uh, this giving teachings part here, it says giving teachings above. Well, the Buddha did that um, uh, because um, the Buddha did that and explained on the basis of his or her, does that and explains it on the basis of his or her actual experience it, that is the same as ours. I think that's it. Uh, so all sentient beings have Buddha lineage. Uh, then are possessors of this essence. So, so therefore they are possessors. Because all, Buddha, all sentient beings possess Buddha lineage, therefore they possess the essence of a Buddha. So this idea of Buddha lineage that is possessed by all sentient beings isn't something that's exclusive to Buddhists. It's not only Buddhists that have this Buddha lineage. All sentient beings have this Buddha lineage, have, are possessors of this essence of Buddha. Uh, Hindus possess this essence, Christians possess this essence, Muslims possess this essence. So this isn't something that we say, oh, Buddhas, uh, Buddhists only possess this essence of Buddha. All sentient beings have this Buddha lineage. And I'm, there, I'm using this, there are two words being used, this essence of Buddha and then, which is, uh, and then the Buddha lineage. Um, these are two different words that I'm using here. The or essence of Buddha is the Buddha lineage which is the lack of true establishment. Lesso. <laughs> 
so here this uh, um, uh, bodhisattva lineage we say is ignited by um, great compassion but if one has great compassion that doesn't make him or her a bodhisattva. Um, that's a step in the process to being a bodhisattva. But as we know, there are things that cause it and then things that it produces. So all sentient beings are our mothers, remembering their kindness, wishing to repay their kindness, love through the force of attraction. These cause great compassion. But then great compassion afterwards, there's still studying and practice to do for that being, and he or she then has to go through the stages of the extraordinary attitude and then um, bodhicitta or the spirit of enlightenment. Um, so even though we say that great compassion is the ignition of that bodhisattva lineage, it ignites it, but one isn't a bodhisattva until he or she actually generates the spirit of en enlightenment, um, So, which isn't um, synonymous with great compassion. Great compassion is a step, but there's still studying and practices left to do from great compassion till you arrive at um, the spirit of enlightenment or bodhicitta. Mm. So this is, this is dialectical, uh, this is what debate is, this is what this in, in dialectics is, this is what we investigate. When there, there are thousands and thousands of monks and nuns, and we have Drepung, Ganden, Sarah, and the outer monasteries, and we debate these topics, and this is what, this is what we're investigating, uh, the meaning of things like this, the subtleties and so forth. This is what we are uh, we are debating when you see those debates taking place. This is real um, di philosophy. Yeah, Tseni is de defined in so many different ways. Sometimes they call it debates. Sometimes philosophy. Sometimes dialectics. So that's the study of all those words that we use. Um, is is this? This is what monks and nuns are studying. They're, they're looking at this and they're tearing it apart in various ways. And that's what debate is. So when we look at the um, five sciences or we look at the, the five um, uh, knowledges that you can uh, acquire, uh, one of those knowledges is uh, a valid cognition, and and uh, this is what uh, we're establishing things through valid cognition is what's occurring here, as the establishment through valid cognition. So uh, the, the explanation of those five 
um, are done in, in many uh, different texts, uh, and, and then they explain them in terms of uh, each each of the different categories. And uh, uh, J. Rinpoche just merely um, mentions the five sciences. And it, uh, it talks about the Sakya Pandita's um, presentation of it. But there are many, uh, many um, different scholars who have explained this. Magawa Okay. Okay. okay, so number seven, you are patient and gentle, so that if someone harms you, you bear it and do no harm in return. If you see others hurting each other, you are very displeased. You seldom give rise to anger, jealousy, deceitfulness, and concealment, and the like. If these do arise, they are not intense, do not last long, and quickly disappear. Uh, so, you know, here we see you are patient and gentle. Um, so there are, this word patient um, is referring to the patience that one who has this mind that aspires to enlightenment has. It's not saying that only bodhisattvas have patience. This is a, 
others have this as well, but this is the, um, a quality that is specifically a bodhisattva does have. Um, so patient and gentle, and then it explains what qualifies what a bodhisattva's patience and, and what gentle means to him or her. So that if someone harms you, you bear it and do no harm in return. Uh, if you see others hurting each other, you are very displeased. You seldom give rise to anger, jealousy, deceitfulness, concealment, and the like. If these do arise, they are not intense, do not last long, and quickly disappear. So these are all the qualities, uh, number seven, um, that one has when this mind that aspires to enlightenment or the spirit of enlightenment occurs. Dixon. <laughs> Okay, so uh, number eight, it is difficult for you to be reborn in miserable realms. Even if you are reborn there, you will quickly get freed. Even while there, your suffering will be slight, and because of it, you will be very disenchanted with cyclic existence and generate compassion for the beings there. So here it's saying that even if you are born into the lower realm of cyclic existence, uh, it will serve to create, uh, make your renunciation stronger, uh, your d desire to definitely emerge stronger, and your compassion will become stronger because you will generate it for the other beings that are suffering around you. So even if you do have to be born there, these qualities will arise from that experience, and that experience won't be very long and won't be very painful. Um, so uh, it's saying that uh, it will be very, you will be, you will quickly get free. Um, and, and then it talks about the, even while there, your suffering will be slight. Uh, so even though uh, you are in this horrendous state, the suffering that you're going to experience will be very small because of this mind that aspires to enlightenment. So number nine then uh, is this last quote and then the questions from the householder Viridata who we explained before was like a king uh, and uh, who was very wealthy and had questions that he asked of the Buddha. If the merit of the spirit of enlightenment were to take form, it would not even fill into the sky, nor does the merit of making material offerings to the Buddha equal even a mere portion of that. 
the questions of the householder Viridata Sutra states, if whatever merit there is in the spirit of enlightenment had form, it would fill the entire vault of the sky and then exceed it. Were someone to fill the Buddha realms with jewels as numerous as the grains of sand of Ganges and offer this to the protector of the world, far superior is the merit in the offering of one who, joining his or her hands, reverently generates the spirit of enlightenment. There is no limit to the merit in this. So even though the spirit of enlightenment isn't form, it's saying if it were to take on a form, its form wouldn't fit in the sky. Um, it, um, so if, it were, if its merit were to take on a form, its form wouldn't fit in the sky. The sky would be too small to hold it. It says, in whatever merit there is and the spirit of enlightenment had form, it would fill the entire vault of the sky and then exceed it. Um, so uh, it shows the greatness of bodhicitta, of the spirit of enlightenment. Okay, so uh, now we're getting into a new category, so we're going to end here today. Thank you everyone for coming. And, uh, so uh, some Tibetans had arrived um, to do prayers uh, for their mother in Lhasa, and Rimche said to uh, um, uh, it's some sort of uh, uh, bad illness, uh, some sort of bad illness. So uh, please keep her and everyone in your prayers. What did you? I don't. There are no more details than that were given. So just someone's mother's ill. Just keep them in your prayers. And thank you for coming. We'll do the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. Do you know more about it, Ted? Okay. Good. And then I have to go quickly. I'm hurt. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise to Mantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land, surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful, Avogateshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandat, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance.